Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I want us to look at three questions tonight that I think that we can ask and answer as we think about this occasion in the life of Jesus and draw some applications from what occurred on this time. First thing I'd like for us to think about is what are some of the storms we face? Now, let's just begin with the text and talk about the idea of literal storms. The apostles on this occasion were facing a literal storm. I have not ever been to this part of the world. Some of you may have. But geography books tell us and history books tell us that the Sea of Galilee is really not what we would think of as a sea. It's really just a small lake. It's about 12 miles from north to south and about six and a half miles from east to west. And because of the geography and the way the lay of the land there, that strong storms can just suddenly come up upon the Sea of Galilee. That was not only true in Jesus' time, but I have talked to people that have taken Bible lands tours, Farrell Jenkins and others, say that's still true today, that, that you can be at the Sea of Galilee and the sun is shining, there's not a cloud in the sky, and it just seems like this is a bright, beautiful day, and all of a sudden, then a storm can just come out of nowhere. And so no wonder the apostles were fearful. It, 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 is, uh, it is easy to be critical, I guess, of them, and, and from our vantage point, to look and say, oh, how could they be afraid? They had Jesus in the boat. Why were they fearful? But how would you feel if you were in the boat and the storm suddenly came up like it happened on the Sea of Galilee? Physical storms can make us afraid. Have you ever been in a storm like that? That I mean that it was raging to the extent, maybe not a hurricane or a tornado, but I mean a serious storm? When I was preaching in Kettering, Ohio a number of years ago, and some of you remember, uh, they're old enough, in 1974, there was a tornado that hit Xenia. And we hadn't had the TV on that, that uh, afternoon. It was on a Wednesday, uh, late afternoon when it hit. And we didn't know anything about it. Where we lived over in Kettering, uh, you know, it was kind of, the sky was kind of weird and ominous. And, and then it come up uh, a rain and we got some hail. And it just, it was kind of odd. And we got in a car to go to church that night and had the radio on and they were talking about the devastation and about this. I said, Norris, something bad has happened. And not that far, probably 12 miles from us, that a tornado come in and I mean devastated Xenia, Ohio. Well, we got to the church building that night and one of our elders owned a, an insurance agency, uh, Jim Grushon in Xenia, and he was in his office when it hit. I mean, this was an hour or two later, and he'd come in as white as a sheet. You talk about being scared, being in the middle of a tornado, and that was a devastating tornado. He's very lucky to come out without a scratch. Very blessed, very fortunate. I've never been in a storm that bad. In 2004, when we were living in Florida, there were four hurricanes that crisscrossed the state of Florida, and Tampa got a lot of tropical storms. And I mean, the palm trees were like that. I mean, it was, it was some fierce wind. And it makes you think a little bit 
uh, you wonder, you know, how bad is this going to be? And so sometimes we can be in a, in a storm that scares us. We talked to our daughter just the other day, Rochelle, and so she felt like she needed to prepare their little boy, Roy. He'll be three and uh, later this month that there was going to be a big storm coming. So she tried to explain to him that what to expect. There's going to be a lot of rain and there's going to be noise and wind. And, but, and we're all going to be together in the house. We're going to stay inside and just try to prepare him and get his little mind ready for what happened. And he's a real serious little fella. And he just listened and took it all in and didn't say anything. And then about 15 minutes later, he came up and said, Mommy, I'm scared. And she said, what are you scared of, Roy? Are you scared of the storm? He said, yes. So she had to talk to him about that a little bit. Now, most of us adults, we don't want to admit, do we? We're scared. The apostles were scared. And it's possible to go through a physical storm and be scared. But as I think about this text, it occurs to me that this can also serve as a metaphor for a lot of different kind of storms of life that we have to face that can be fearful to us. We face storms of personal problems. Are not personal problems the common lot of humankind? In Job chapter 14, verse 1, Job said, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And there are a lot of troubles that we face. There are a lot of challenges that we face. There's different kind of problems in life we face. There, there are some of you that right now may be facing financial difficulties. Maybe you're facing difficulties at work. Maybe you're looking for work. Maybe you're dealing with difficulties in your family or, or in your home life. But there's all kinds of personal problems. And you know when these problems come down to us, it feels like a storm, doesn't it? I mean, it just feels like this terrible storm that you're in. And how are you going to get out of this? And how are you going to deal with this? And how are you going to cope with this? And, and it can cause us to be afraid for what the future holds and what's going to happen down the road and, and how we're going to cope with the problem that we're dealing with. And it may seem like there's no end in sight to the problem. And so there's a storm of personal problems. There's also storms of sorrow that we face in our lives. David knew a lot about sorrow. David was certainly a man after God's own heart, one of the great characters in all of the Word of God. And yet for all of the great things he accomplished, for all of the wonderful things the Bible says about David, yet he experienced a great deal of sorrow in his life. When you read the Psalms, there are any number of Psalms that picture the heaviness of David's heart and, and the depression even that sometimes that he faced. And Psalm 38 and verse 17 David wrote, for I'm ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. You know, I remember the time in David's life, and this was following the sin and the consequence of David's sin with Bathsheba, that the prophet said that trouble would come to your house, and, and it did. And you remember how the Old Testament talks about how his own son Absalom led a rebellion against him? And David actually fled the capital and left because of this. And I think some of the Psalms deal with that low period in David's life. And in one place, David wrote, if I had the wings of a dove, I'd fly away and be at rest. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever dealt with something that is just pressing you down 
And it's such a difficult issue that it brings such sorrow to you that you say, I just wish I could fly away. I, I wish I could just get away from all of this and be at rest. And sometimes like the amazing suddenness of the storm that came down on the Sea of Galilee, that our lives one minute are sunshine and everything is coming up roses, everything is filled with glory, and then we get a phone call or something happens and our glory is changed to grief and the day turn changes to night. The storm of sorrow can leave our hearts heavy. And then I thought of another storm, and that's a storm of temptation. Sometimes temptation comes with us and with just an overwhelming force. Jesus said it would happen, Luke 17, 1. He said offenses must come. There are going to be challenges come, temptations come, offenses are going to come. There are going to be problems that we're going to face that can engulf us. And the devil is going to throw everything that he can at us. And, and it is amazing sometimes how that we can feel like that spiritually everything's going great. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where you just feel really good about your spiritual life and about your relationship with God and, and, and your level of maturity and your growth and discipleship? And then some spiritual temptation just hits you out of the blue almost? And maybe takes you back to some former time in your life when you, you just, and you say, why am I dealing with this? What, what is happening? Why am I thinking these thoughts? Why am I feeling these feelings? What has come over me? And you're struggling with some, some temptation? That, that's a storm. That's tough. And that can bring fear in our lives. Well, there might be a lot of other kinds of storms that we could think about. Though those are certainly storms we face. But I want to talk about the fact, secondly, that there's a calm when the storms come in the presence of Jesus. And that's one of the great lessons here I learned from this particular text. That when the disciples were on this little boat, and when this tempest arose on the Sea of Galilee, and they were afraid, Jesus was on the boat. And they came to Jesus. And Jesus' presence provided peace jesus presence provided peace he said to the storm peace be still now of course we know jesus the son of god had the power to control the winds and the waves and they marveled at what kind of man is this that can do this but you know, I also think in a sense this is a metaphor for some of the other kind of storms that we've talked about. Cannot Jesus bring peace into our life when we're dealing with these other kinds of storms? And John 14 is Jesus senses the, the heaviness of the apostles' hearts. In fact, he says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. That they knew that something ominous was on the horizon. And Jesus tries to comfort them and encourage them about what the future holds. And in John 14, 27 and 28, Jesus said to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. There is a peace that Jesus can bring into our lives. And whatever storm it is that we're facing then we can find a peace in the Lord. 
I think this is the kind of peace the Apostle Paul is alluding to when he speaks of this in Philippians chapter 4. And in verses 6 and 7, Paul said to the Philippian brethren, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so are you anxious? Do you have anxiety? Are the storms of life causing this anxiousness of your heart? Well, what Paul says here to do, he said to pray about it and to go to God about it with prayer and supplication. Lay your request to him. And then he says this in verse 7. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, here's a good question. How does that work? You're going through the storm. You know, if you've got if you've got loved ones in Florida, I, I, I tell you what, they're they're going through the storm. But you know what? We're going through the storm a little bit too. See, we got the TV going. We don't keep our TV going nonstop. I mean, we just we just we turn on once want to watch something. But I can't even, maybe that's not good. I don't know. Maybe maybe it creates more fears watching. But we want to know what's going on down there. Our loved ones are down there. And, and we're calling, Rochelle, what's going on? Well, we're not got sandbags today. Did you get any sandbags? Well, they ran out of sand. Oh, no. Well, Jared went out and got some sand. Okay, I feel better about that now. All right, have you got everything off the porch? You know, the, the dad in you, Stephen. You, have you, have you, you don't want any missiles flying around because they had a lot of stuff on the porch. You've got to get everything in, inside somehow. And you're calling back, how's everything going? And, and you're looking on Facebook, seeing what's going on. You know what I, I saw on Facebook? I was just looking and knowing so many people down there reading what's going on. One of the girls, and Donna, maybe you saw this on Facebook. This is great. Well, and I, I wish I knew which, which girl it was. But in one of the women's residence halls at Florida College, put up a big sign in her window. And someone, obviously from the outside, took a picture. And it said this. We will praise him through this storm. Wow. That's the attitude of those young people. We will praise him through this storm. How do you say that? I mean, how do you sit there and you wait for the hurricane and they're saying it's going to hit Tampa? How do you sit there and say that? Because Jesus' presence provides peace. Now, that says a lot about our young people, doesn't it? I talked to Gabe a while ago on the way to services tonight just to see how he was doing. Hey, Gabe was kind of, kind of non-pulsed by all that. I mean, they were watching videos on their computer and having a good time and all this. And I said, uh, well, I heard the girls were having a worship. Stu told me the girls were having a worship in their dorm because they've declared a state of emergency there. And so no one can leave the residence hall. And so they were having a I said, what about you? He said, oh, we had our worship this afternoon and, and they're... Uh, uh, dorm supervisor led them in that and they had a lesson from the Bible and prayers and they had the Lord's Supper and and uh, so he said it was good it was really it was really really a kind of a moving impressive kind of a thing I thought okay you're you're all holed up there in the residence hall and the hurricane's coming but this, this is good how do you find peace in that and tranquility in the presence of Jesus 
And I think that whatever the storm is, whether it's literal or whether it is some other kind of storm of life we're facing, that when we come into the presence of the Lord, we can find peace. But I started out asking a question, how do you do that? And the answer is, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that works. I know He provides the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know the Scripture promises that. And I know Jesus said, I will give you peace. And I know it says we need to come with Him with prayer and supplication. I don't know if I can explain it. I think I feel it at times. And I think as I come into the presence of the Lord with problems and with challenges, I feel that. How does that work? It does. And it's something in the world, it is the peace that surpasses understanding. That's why it does. Secondly, when we think about the calm and the presence of Jesus, not only does his presence provide peace, but his character compels courage. Now here, back to our text in Matthew 8, is Jesus on the same little boat the disciples are, but of course Jesus is asleep. He's waking out of his sleep, and he's facing the raging currents. But Jesus is calm, Jesus collected, Jesus is courageous. Such a one compels us to be courageous as we face the storms of life. Jesus says, be not afraid. You know, you could look through your New Testament and see any number of times where people come to Jesus and Jesus says to them, be not afraid. Fear not. And throughout the Old Testament, we find how many times as God's people faced challenges and, and obstacles that seemed almost insurmountable that the Scripture says, fear not. Someone counted this up and said there are over 365 times that the Bible says, fear not. One for every day of the year. Well, there's a lot. There may be that many. Fear not. Fear not. And Jesus' character compels us to be courageous as well. When we are in Him with courage, we can face the storm. And then thirdly, there's a calm in the presence of Jesus because Jesus' word fortifies our faith. Jesus asked the question to the disciples in this text, why are you fearful? Where is your faith, in other words? You see, greater than the storm that Jesus stilled was the storm that was raging inside the disciples whose faith was weakened. And Jesus encouraged them to believe. You remember when Jairus came to Jesus, the ruler, and his daughter had died? That Jesus said, believe and she shall be made whole. And of course she was. You see, faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. Faith is thanking before I receive it. And so Jesus would say in Mark 11 and verse 22, have faith in God. One writer put it this way. and said, Christian faith is not neurotic dependence, but childlike trust. We do not have a God who forever indulges our whims, but a God in whom we trust with our destinies. I love the adage that says, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That's what that writer is saying. Our confidence in God provides peace of mind and purpose of life and, and hope for the future. 
Faith, you see, sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives what man looks at as the impossible. When the children of Israel in the Old Testament were going through difficulties, in fact, it was for sure they were going into captivity, that that could not be changed because of their unfaithfulness. But to those that would be a faithful remnant, Isaiah would say to them, Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, and this is God speaking through Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And then back in chapter 41 of Isaiah, verse 10, he said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, that for all of us, young and old alike, there is calm in the presence of Jesus when the storm rages. Now, thirdly, why does faith help in the time of storm? Well, three reasons. One, it prompts us to act. One good thing we can say about the disciples in this occasion in, in recorded Matthew 8, they had enough sense to go to Jesus. They'll go to him and to ask for help. They were experienced fishermen. Jesus, of course, by trade was a carpenter. But they thought maybe he could do something before it was too late. They came to the right person. They acted. Or you remember the woman with the issue of blood? That she had enough faith in Jesus that she thought maybe if I just touch his garment, then I can be healed of that. And Jesus was so impressed with her faith that he healed her and said, your faith has made you whole. Instead of drowning in the raging torrent of the storm, we can act. We can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We can do what it is that we're called to do each day and do what we can do. And what we can't do, we just turn it over to the Lord. We just let go of it and let him take care of it, that we are prompted to act. Faith without works is dead, being alone. Not only that, faith helps us in time of storm because it aids in overcoming problems and sorrows and temptations. And John, 1 John, rather, chapter 5 and verse 5, John wrote, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It is interesting here that in the Greek language, the word victory that is used here in this text is the Greek word Nike. Yeah, like the shoe company. Because that's the word that means victory. Nike was the goddess of victory in Greek mythology when they were in times of war. The goddess of victory. And so John is using that Greek word and this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's not going to be through mythology. It's not going to be through a Greek God, but it's going to be through our faith. In, times of in the times of storm, we have to believe that we can overcome the challenges that we are facing. In times of storm, we have to believe that we can be successful in defeating the enemy. And it gives us the spirit that seeks victory. And then a third reason I would share with you of why the faith, faith helps us in times of storm is that it offers hope. 
You remember in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, that definition of faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And we often talk about faith, and well, we should, because that's the great chapter of faith, but maybe lost on that is the idea of hope. Because it says faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. Your hope, you see, is based upon the solid foundation of faith. That faith undergirds our hope and it makes it stable and sure. And so when we face storms, when we face adversity, when we face uncertainty, when we face challenges, when our minds are perplexed and we have faith in Jesus then we also have that hope of he who calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee is the one to whom we can flee for refuge, that we can lay hold on the hope that is set before us, that hope we have that is the anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. I don't know a lot about sailing, living in Florida the number of years I did. We've been out on boats and sailboats and fishing boats a few times but i'm not an experienced seaman but i do know this that when the hurricane comes you don't you don't try to take your boat and tie it to everything i mean the storm is going to take it apart you put your anchor down in fact you put several anchors down in fact they had on the news just a while ago before we came some guys that were going to ride out the storm in john's pass on their fishing boat and they had anchors and they were prepared to put the anchors down when the storm came and let the anchor hold them well that's all you can do in times of storm but we have an anchor beyond the veil we have an anchor in jesus christ we have an anchor that's sure and steadfast and if there's anything that i think that is paramount in the teaching of the bible and it's this and paul put it this way in romans 15 and verse 13 that god is the god of hope he's the god of hope i mean how many times as we've been studying the old testament the past year do we come across situations where things look hopeless and the god of hope comes to the rescue Time and time and time again. That's one of the great messages of Scripture. I mean, whether it's Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, whether it's poor old Joseph languishing in prison, that it looks like there is no hope, there is the God of hope. Or whether it's Israel facing certain defeat, there's the God of hope. Or Israel is in sin and they cry for help and he raises up a judge. To deliver them from their oppressor. The God of hope comes to the rescue. With the three Hebrew children thrown into the burning fiery furnace. And it looks hopeless doesn't it? But the God of hope comes to the rescue. Or Daniel in the lion's den. And it looks pretty bad for old Daniel. But there's the God of hope. And he shows up. And God is the God of hope. And so the psalmist David would say. In Psalm 42 and verse 5. He asked the question. Are you disquieted? What about it? You don't have to raise your hand on this, but is anybody here tonight disquieted? Are there storms? Are you facing storms in your life that has disrupted the peace and the tranquility and the calm in your life? Are you disquieted? David answers that question, and he says, Hope in God. 
That's the answer, isn't it? That is not a futile hope. That is not a Pollyanna approach to life that is real because God is real. And we can hope in God. And so when the storms of life shake our souls, Jesus is there providing peace, showing courage, fortifying our faith. And the storms that people may face literally, whether in South Texas or those that our friends and family are facing in Florida, are but a metaphor for all the different kind of storms that we're going to face in life. And through these storms, whether they be physical or spiritual, we're called upon to be people of resolve, to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The poet put it this way when she wrote, I will not doubt, though all my ships at sea come drifting home with broken masts and sails. I shall believe the hand which never fails. From seeming evil worketh good for me. And though I weep because those sails are battered, still will I cry while my best hopes are shattered. I trust in Thee. And that's the answer. We put our trust in God. Amen? I don't know if this lesson has helped you all any or not, but it sure has helped me a lot. I, I just needed to hear myself say these things and to be reminded that it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Because God's in control. Well, you sure have listened good. Thank you. I hope that this is helpful. And that whatever we face in life, that we can know the Lord is there with us. You owe a duty to God tonight in some way that we can serve you or minister to you? Do you desire the prayers of the church family here? Are you one that's never obeyed the gospel of Christ and through faith and repentance and baptism you would come to the Lord and allow the blood of Jesus to induct you into his family to be born again as a child of God? You can enjoy the blessings and the privileges and the prerogatives that we've addressed tonight and enjoy this faith and this hope and this trust and this calming relationship. They can get you through any challenge, any problem, any storm, regardless of what it is. If tonight we can serve you in any way, we invite you to come all together. We stand and sing. Oh,